Hello and welcome to the Galactic Core podcast. Um, as usual, my name is Andy. That doesn't really change. That's the same every week. Um, and I'm your host as we go through all the latest TV episodes, films, games, whatever else takes our fancy from the worlds of Star Wars, Marvel, DC, anything else nerdy and geeky in between. Uh, this is the first time that you found us, then feel free to follow us on social media. Um, the link tree will be in the episode description where you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok and Twitch as well. And you can obviously find our podcast across Spotify, Apple, Amazon and loads of other places as well. But today we're going to be talking about Star Wars Visions Volume 2. Uh, for this, I'm very lucky to be joined by a giant Star Wars animation fan. Uh, she's a seasoned podcaster in her own right, and she's just started a brand new podcast called Fulcrum's Broadcast. Uh, she is everybody's go-to choice to discuss all things Star Wars animation, and she is a true aficionado on the subject. Uh, so please welcome to the show, Michelle. <laughs> profile anyone's ever given of me oh my goodness <laughs> <laughs> well, welcome to the so show michelle Andy. thank you how are you doing at the moment i'm great i'm i'm just so like still you know a couple of weeks later enamored with star wars vision so i'm i'm so excited to chat with you today no it's a, a, a real honor to, to have you on today uh, so let's give my audience just a little bit more information about sort of um you know, the things that you, you like and, and what it is about Star Wars that you love so much. So let's start with that then. You know, Star Wars, probably, the, obviously, you can see behind me, probably the thing I'm into the, the most out of everything. What is it about Star Wars that you love so much? Oh, that is a great question. I think I really love... Oh, there's so much about it, but I have come to love Star Wars basically on, on because of like the way that I get to experience it with the people that I love it, it's like of course I love the stories and the characters but when I get to sit with my friends and we watch together something that like a new piece of Star Wars that we've never seen before like getting to experience that with them for the first time um, even re-watching things with them and us noticing things you know differently than what we'd seen the first time Star Wars means so much because of the lessons and the stories that like me and my friends and family can relate to as we're watching it all together. It's so Star Wars and my love of it is so very much tied to, um, yeah, getting to share it with people that I care about, I think. Yeah. I think that's a great thing. It's something that brings so many people together. Mm-hmm. Um, I was at Star Wars Celebration um, you know, just about over a month ago. Yes. Uh, being in London, I got to go to it and experience it. And the fact that you get so many people that are so passionate about it. Um, I've, I've always long said that Star Wars has both the best and probably the most toxic fandom out of any franchise ever in history. Um, but on the good side of it, you know, it is amazing. You know, there's so many groups, so many podcasts to be fair out there that cover this subject. But it's the the love of it that brings people together yeah. uh, that you can sit down. And I remember you know, years ago sitting down with someone and explaining to them you know, why Darth Vader and Anakin were my favorite characters. And how to me, this was the greatest Shakespearean tragedy of all time in terms of his story. So the fact that you can sit down and passionately talk about that with the people around you and the fact that it brings you all together and you can sit there and there's obviously there's so many projects out there now, you know, not everyone's going to like every single thing that's done, but the fact that it all molds into this one big story 
Um, yep. I know that we've got the MCU in terms of, you know, you know, a cohesive, long sort of timeline of storytelling. But the fact that Star Wars isn't sort of really rooted in the real world is, is as much as, say, Marvel is. I know Marvel superheroes, it's still sort of sci-fi, but, you know, Star Wars is a true sci-fi galaxy far, far away a long time ago. Um, and so for me, it's, it's, yeah, it's a great point that you make that it's sharing it with the people around you and being able to, to go through that story together is part of really what makes Star Wars great. Yeah. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, you know, you're a, a big fan of the animated side of Star Wars. Clone Wars, we've got Rebels. Um, obviously, we've had Bad Batch recently. And now we're getting them into live action as well, which is something I never thought that we'd see. But what is it about the animated side of Star Wars that's really drawn you as sort of like your your public persona, shall we say, that that's yeah. the sort of the route that you advertise yourself with as being the most linked to? Yes. Oh, I love that question. Um, I think that the animated stories, because it's television, we get to see the most amazing character arcs for so characters that we're familiar with, like Anakin and Obi-Wan in Clone Wars, mm -hmm. but then new characters as well, obviously Ahsoka and all of the clones and, and Maul coming back into the throw. Um, the, the storytelling is just so remarkable. And I think that I am drawn to animation because it feels so accessible. It's m many of the animated shows, um, you know, they are, they're built with the intention that even kids, if they're not, maybe not ready for the movies, um, can sit and appreciate Star Wars and the lessons that it shares with us. And so it's just the, uni the storytelling is so universal um, and able to reach even more people, uh, you know, than maybe would watch the movies, um, especially for younger children. Um, yeah, it's definitely the, the types of stories that are able to be told over such like longer periods of time. And yeah, um, I find myself really enjoying the style as well. Like, of course, when it comes to lightsaber fights, you can do fantastical, amazing mm, things definitely. in animation that you can't necessarily do in live action, at least not yet. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's it's sort of a combination of things. But I've particularly loved as well with animation. Um, I guess the final point is like the new characters in particular. I love obviously the Skywalker saga and the Skywalkers. I'm a huge fan of the new movies as well. Um, but it's fun to dip our toes into like an area that is completely fresh, completely new, like getting a look at how, like for Resistance, not as many people have watched that show. I'm a huge fan of it. Get a little slice of life into how the average people in the galaxy were affected by the First Order. It's mm. so good. It's just so expansive. It builds the world the galaxy as it is would not be where it is without the the world building and the the breath that the animated shows have brought to Star Wars. So anyway, I could go on and on, but that's a gist. <laughs> I mean, it's a great point that you make that you know, Star Wars at its core is is the Jedi versus the Sith, the the, the traditional good versus evil battle, but the world building around it. Things like, do you think this is why something like Andor was such a huge success? Obviously, it's important that you have good acting, you have good writing, but yeah. the fact that it was a story outside of the traditional sort of bit of Star Wars, because even with 95% of Star Wars stuff that's being done outside of the main storyline, you're still getting a Jedi or a Sith slotted in there somewhere for a bit of crowd pleaser. Right. <laughs> so something like Andor, where we don't get any of that at all, do you think that's a reason why something like that has been successful? Absolutely, yeah. Yep. Nice. 
So you're no stranger to podcasting. Um, obviously, you've got your your new one that's that's you've got your first episode out where you sort of did a preview. You got to see it just before everyone else, didn't you? I um, did, yeah. <laughs> so you, you were you were lucky and get to sing it just before sort of Star Wars Day. Yeah. Um, but you know, stranger, you've had some podcasts before. So what is it about getting on to a podcast and being able to to talk about what you love about it? What's what drew you to podcasting in the first place? Yeah. Well, I mean, if I imagine we're very similar, I think about 50% of my brain is my job and life things. And the other 50% is Star Wars. And um, while I really focus on animation on my Instagram, I consume all Star Wars. I love the books. I love the live action shows. I'm always rewatching the movies. Like genuinely so much of my life is is so wonderfully um, consumed by Star Wars. So I really wanted an outlet to talk about the other parts of Star Wars that I'm not necessarily focused on um, with with my Instagram. Um, and, and obviously um, the incredible opportunity to review Visions ahead of time was so amazing and a dream come true. Um, so I knew that I needed to review it in a way to do it justice, you know, versus just making a post on Instagram. I really wanted to make sure I, I, you know, when it comes to reviewing things, I think it's so much easier sometimes to hear people's tone of voice and, and getting, you know, your, your, your voice and your video even is like such a different medium than only like me and my friends traditionally just being like Instagram content creators in the sense that like we're only posting photos and you barely see our, our personality and our faces. So that's something too, I think, like podcasting and, and content creation through like a video medium as a whole really allows the creator to come through and, and their personality a little bit, which I've wanted to dabble with. So, yeah. Nice. How did, um, how did it come about that you were able to, to view visions early? Cause obviously yeah. it's not like someone like myself and you're a new podcaster to the world. I'm, I've not had an invite to, to sort of get anything to see anything early. So how did yeah. that happen for, for, for yourself? Um, I feel like I was really lucky um, there, and I'm happy to share this resource with you. Um, Disney Plus, you know, releases press releases and whatnot, and there was a ton of information obviously coming out of Celebration. So right around that time is when Disney and Lucasfilm released a couple of press releases, including uh, some of the like behind the scenes uh, bits about how you can contact Disney Plus and their publicity office and everything. So basically I was sending emails into the void. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I was sending emails to contacts at, at Disney and at Lucasfilm. And um, I'm fortunate enough where I've sort of grown this following and, you know, sort of shared some of my work that I had done previously. And I, I got to review visions the first time around as well ahead of time. So I, I sort of had some like, I don't know, samples if you will um to to share with them and say hey like i'm a creator i can review this and somebody very wonderfully gave me a chance it was just remarkable um like i i cried about it like many <laughs> times like that week of star wars week and star wars week listen to me star wars <laughs> yeah. day it's, it's star wars week right um it is for us really yeah, isn't it yeah <laughs> may the month of may is star wars month. <laughs> uh but yeah um it was yeah it was an incredible opportunity um yeah, I'm happy to. I'll 
be sure to send you sort of like the things that I, the places no, that I go to like look out for those opportunities. That's really cool to be fair that you get to do that. Yeah. And um, you're no stranger to discussing you know, this volume two of Visions. You've been on about 7,000 podcasts. Um, everyone's <laughs> craving to get your opinion on this. So let's, yeah. let's sort of jump into it. Um, so we've had obviously, you know, volume one to come out. We've got volume two. So let's chat a little bit about sort of, you know, the either similarities or differences between them. Um, I think it's important to to point out that this is technically non-canon, isn't it? So I've heard a few podcasts and a few and I've seen a few discussions over the last couple of weeks where people are talking, where do these things fit in the timeline? Who, who where does it go? And I'm like, it doesn't go anywhere. It's you know, they they might sort of I know the studios had the freedom to make them as far departed from sort of Star Wars. I know like season one because it they, they sort of did a lot of that, but in terms of they can set the stories if they want in between, say, you know, episodes or anything, or round episodes, but they're not mm-hmm. strictly part of the timeline. I think a lot of people tend to get a little bit confused about that. Um, but some of the differences I, I sort of picked up between volumes one and two, um, volume one was more about Jedi type stories. You know, even the coloring for like the visions itself was like blue. And then you have volume two that's more Sith based and even the coloring for that is red. So straight away, they've sort of gone in there and gone, one's going to be Jedi, one's going to be Sith. Uh, we obviously know that season one, uh, volume one, sorry, was more sort of Japanese studios that, that did this. And volume two, they've opened it up to a lot of places around the world to open up everyone's different sort of animation or anime style. How do you feel when you've been watching it, the difference between what season uh, volume one and volume two in the animation styles has been good? Because I guess I'll be a Japanese for for volume one around the world for volume two is that really expanded the 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 beautifulness that visions has been in terms of visualness yes oh great question yeah it's it's amazing i remember like i've watched the first volume of visions a number of times even within japanese anime this there are so many different styles and ways of storytelling and like even within that I felt like it was such a breath of fresh air from any other thing in Star Wars we've ever gotten and um then to go to volume two where we're getting you know all these different studios sharing their own animation styles and their own ways of storytelling like that blew it up even more than I could have ever thought possible in the best way um yeah it's so cool and I really enjoyed with volume two seeing um, some of the like 3D animation, the 2D animation, and then even the stop motion animation, which is <laughs> yeah. freaking incredible. So yeah, just from a visual standpoint, stunning, amazing, uh, like just goes to show the, the, the wonder of animation, which is why I love it. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I think they've sort of amped up the storytelling a bit in this volume as well, because some of the episodes are almost based around sort of real world issues as well. Um, I think, I think episode three was it with the two sisters um, was done by um, a a Chilean animation studio and, and they tied their sort of story into something that's happened in their country. Um, And I think it happened in maybe one or two of the other episodes as well. So do you think when you bring those sort of, because Star Wars is generally so far removed from the, the, the normal everyday life that we have on, on planet Earth, do, do you think bringing those those underlying sort of themes and lessons to, to Star Wars is, is really a good thing, or do you feel like it should just be something you can sit back and watch without having to think too deeply about it? 
I think the more the merrier, truly. Um, I'm a big sucker for good, sappy stories. And I definitely, you know, to your point earlier about volume one, uh, maybe not having as, or maybe as straightforward of that, like, lesson-based storytelling, and it was very, like, fight-oriented or whatnot. And, like, even we see this in, in you know, there's conversations nowadays about the Mandalorian versus Andor in terms of writing, right? I There is a time and place for literally all of it. And also, you can take whatever you want from it. So at the end of the day, I'm out here sobbing my eyes out based <laughs> on in the stars, like full on, like heavy crying because it has moved me so much. At the same time, it's like a sick, there's like sick four scenes and, it, and <laughs> yeah. you know, just in terms of like the action, it's very exciting. So I truly think that as a viewer, you can take whatever you want out of it, whether you, you want to take those lessons or you want to just watch it and enjoy it for, for something to just, you know, put on in the background or, or mindlessly enjoy. But at the end of the day, when stories are created by a diverse group of people from our world, it, it just is going to mean more. It's mm. going to impact people more. And they're more accurate stories to the world that we live in, um, which allows even more people to feel seen and heard. And like, I will sit with my friend and relate to these stories. It's allowing even more people to say, hey, like this story was created by people from my country and this is the history that's being told. And that means all the more um, difference to those people. So, yeah. Absolutely. At least two days have grabbed their chance, you know, chance to do something quite big that maybe some of them haven't had the chance to do, and they run with it, haven't they? And they've done an amazing yeah. job. So Exactly. I mean, um, later on, after we've sort of done the, the review of the episodes, we're going to be chatting about our favourite top three episodes from all of Visions, so volumes one and two. But since I was watching it earlier on, I came across something that I didn't expect when I was mm. watching them, writing my notes, and I had sort of all the episodes up on Wikipedia as well, which is some of the voice actors from volume one um absolutely amazed me because i didn't even realize this to be fair um i don't know do you watch it in sort of the the original korean or japanese language with english subtitles or do you watch it with sort of with the english english language rather than the, the subtitles how do you normally watch them for volume one i initially watched it with the um english subtitles so japanese dub and english um subtitles though i when re-watching it, I also did the English voiceover. For volume two, I did the same thing. So sort of both watching all of them where available. Um, I think it was for the first one, Sith had Spanish um, voiceover. And then there's one other one that I'm forgetting. The, oh, uh, might have been Journey to the Dark Head with the Korean language cast. Mm. And then I did that with English subtitles. Yeah, so I've, I've watched all versions. Um, yeah. <laughs> Because in terms of watching it with the English dub, um, as I said, I didn't realise from volume one, especially the amount of famous people that had come and voiced. Yes. I mean, season two, the only real sort of notable people are are mostly Star Wars people. Sorry, I've got my list here. Just yeah, So yeah. we had like Matthew Wood, who voices um, Grievous and all the droids. He he was in it. Um, Steve Blum, who voices Zeb from Rebels. He he was um, he was doing an episode as well. Obviously, Dennis Lawson, um, who was Wedge Antilles, you know, came back and did his character. I'm just going to read a list of all the voice actors from season one who were sort of quite famous. And if maybe you don't recognise the name, I'm pretty sure if you saw a picture of them, you'd recognise them straight away. But we had Lucy Liu, uh, Brian T, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, 
Tamora Morrison, obviously coming back to do Boba Fett, uh, Neil Patrick Harris, uh, Simu Liu, who's uh, Shang-Chi in Marvel, uh, Masai Oka, who I most sort of famously know from uh, being in Heroes, uh, David Harbour, uh, James Hong, and George Takai. So it wasn't until I was looking at this on Wikipedia to even realise that they did... Disney sort of went a long way to make sure they got people to voice these characters. It wasn't just sort of maybe random voice actors, so to speak. Um, do you think when you're listening or sorry, when you're watching something like this, that having someone famous doing the voice really brings a lot more authority to the role or does it not really matter too much as long as they're delivering the right sort of passion and intensity and emotion to the, to the lines? Oh, that's a good question. Yeah, I think whether or not they happen to be known or not known, um, I think, like, especially in both Volume 1 and Volume 2, like, the vocal performance across all languages um, for all the shorts has been phenomenal. To give an example for Volume 2, the pit features David Diggs and Anika Nani Rose. Those are two, um, I guess, more, you know, well-known actors as well. Um, David Diggs from Hamilton and a variety of other things, and then Anika Nani Rose as Tiana, the Princess Tiana. I'm from like the Disney um, Princess and the Frog movie. So like those are two names that I had recognized in the cast list as well. And the they both do a stunning job mm. in the pit. And like David has a like this deep like timber to his voice or whatever. <laughs> Which made it like very nice to listen to anyway. Yeah, the both I like you know, for example, they were more well known voices and while that does bring perhaps incentive for people that maybe like hadn't uh weren't planning on what like non-star wars fans that maybe weren't planning on like watching them if that brings more people in to listen great but then also i think they have picked um people that are obviously very talented and like can knock it out of the park and then give that vocal performance yeah i think they did a good job for the fact that i didn't even realize that any of these people were voicing the characters i think yeah. when they can go in and give it something that's so different to maybe their normal voice. And I think this is something we don't maybe give actors enough of credit on is sometimes when you watch them in a show or a film, you don't realize that's not their normal voice. You assume that they're just, you know, articulating well all the time. Sometimes obviously they're putting on an accent as we, as we know very well. Um, but the fact that, yeah, I didn't realize any of these people had <laughs> voiced any of them. Tamora Morrison is probably the only one I would actually pick out and go, yes, I know that that's him doing yeah. Boba Fett. <laughs> so yeah. it's, they've done a great job on that front. But, um, let's jump in. Are, oh, sorry. Basically, no, 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 you go I ahead. just wanted to say voice <laughs> actors are remarkable and they mm. do so much and they deserve so much credit for their, their ability to perform in a way that like they're using their body perhaps like in the booth, but obviously we're not seeing their physical performance. So to be able to convey a performance through their voice, remarkable. Yeah. Absolutely, because <laughs> it's something that can make or break a scene, even yeah. if it's you know something that's animated or anime, and you're not getting to see the physical acting that's going on with their body. So you have to convey yeah. it all with the voice. Um, I think a great example, and you've probably seen the video online, is when um, Sam Witwer was doing Maul in Rebels, and I'll see the Kenobi, yeah. and he literally is there, like full on behind this. He's only recording on the microphone, but he's full on like screaming into this microphone he's giving his all for it so yeah. i know he's like done a lot of star wars stuff and he's very good at his, his voices just to you know, to pick sam whitworth um but the fact that i'm sure everyone else behind the scenes is giving that sort of emotion to to a particular scene is really what kills it doesn't it so yeah so let's jump in then and discuss uh the episodes so episode one sith 
this was done by, I hope I'm not going to butcher the uh, pronunciation here, but um, um, El Guri, which is um, a Spanish um, animation studio. So just a quick sort of synopsis is um, a former Sith apprentice that's left to try and have a nice peaceful life. She's trying to do some force painting, which is quite interesting. We've never seen sort of, you know, using the force to do painting before. And she's sort of struggling to, to find the right way to get this painting done because she's like, darkness seems to be one part of this. And all of a sudden, you know, beacon goes off, turns out to be her former Sith master with a couple of droids come to hunt her down. Um, they have a really cool battle at the end of it. And the Sith Master's like, the only way that, yeah, she just wants to be, she's like, leave me alone. I just want to be left alone, live my life. I don't want to do this no more. Um, and the Sith is uh, is like, the only way you're going to get out of this is if you kill me and become the Sith Master yourself. And she realizes that in order to be able to do everything, she needs to have that balance of light and dark in inside of her. So she has the cool moment where she's got her yellow blade and then, you know, the, the red bit comes out the bottom to signal that she's now sort of in sync with both parts and she's got that balance. Kills the... Uh, the, the Jedi Master becomes the master herself because she calls herself that at the end as well, I think. She's like, I'm the master now. And um and she flies off with her cool little droid that reminds me a little bit of the um the droid from Andor, to be fair. Yeah. Um and flies off, presumably for for a nice quiet life somewhere else. Um how did you feel about this episode and it being sort of the the opening episode of this new volume? It was amazing. I loved this short as the opening. Especially the opening of the short film itself. No music. You're just taking in Lola's like life and seeing what she's doing, seeing E2, her droid, and like just and to your point earlier, like the painting environment. And then of course that being something that she's physically building, like with like as a part of a plot point too. It was absolutely remarkable. And upon like additional rewatches of this, I'm like this short is so good. It's so good. I don't have enough words to describe it. Um, yeah, I really loved it. I really loved the animation style of this one as well. Yeah. Um, it's I've seen maybe a few bits like it before, but I think it was really impactful in this one, how they worked all the colours together and then made it look really striking at the right moments as well. But in terms of the, the character herself as well, in Star Wars, there's... A big thing about balance between the Jedi and the Sith, the Force itself wants balance between the two, but Jedi and Sith, by absolution, can't really have balance. They have to be one or the other. And we're taught by Star Wars that to even tap into the dark side a little bit over the long term will do nothing but corrupt you because eventually the dark side pulls you in as you use it more and more, and therefore you will always fall to the dark side if you're using it. So it falls into this thing of, I don't know how you feel about it, but the whole trope about grey Jedi I have to admit, I hate the whole thing about Grey Jedi because you can't have a Grey Jedi. You can't have someone that's in the middle and uses both sides because eventually they fall to the dark side. Um, so in terms of this character trying to find that balance and realising that she has to have the darkness as part of her to, to find that balance, did you find that fitting with sort of a Star Wars theme? I did, yeah. I'm not as familiar with the specific lore around, like, gray jedi as a as a term or like a type of jedi but i'm super familiar with some of the stories from the high republic and there have been a number of stories um because this is all set you know before we see the jedi at their just fragile you know sort of 
scared state in the prequels. Um, there's not as intense, uh, you know, like unhealthy attachment to the light side in the High Republic times. So we see the characters understand what it is to live with, let's say, dark side impulses. Not that they're actually using the dark side, but the things that traditionally Jedi are told they shouldn't be doing, attachments um, and, and other, you know, like various other things. So to me, I, I honestly loved this and I thought it was very fitting for at least in some of the Star Wars that I've like consumed recently. It felt like the stuff that I've loved recently. Um, and, and personally, like, I think, you know, that's my definition of Jedi of like what a Jedi is, is so shaped by the, like those type of stories, as well as what we've learned about them in the prequel era at the what is that line at the height of their power the jedi were you know, i don't remember what the line mm. is from luke um but we know that the jedi as they are in the prequel trilogy they're not true jedi they are they have fallen from the ideals that they once held and to me a true jedi is someone that like does live with fear but they learn how to they learn how to deal with it and they learn how to like man manage their fear so that it doesn't completely take over and lead them to the dark side um so yeah i don't know i loved it <laughs> nice no i like that sort of thinking how thinking about the jedi of from why they were in the prequels to how they mm -hmm. should have been and the fact that we yeah. see a bit more of that in the high republic era and hopefully we're going to see i know that they technically got an old republic project in the works yeah. and and obviously we're going to get that film as well that's got about the 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 birth of the jedi set twenty five thousand years before skywalker saga so i'm hoping to see more of you know, the jedi at, at their actual height as opposed to what we're believed is the is right. is their height of the prequels, it's, it's a very good point you make of them being sort of the scared, delicate Jedi, as as opposed to just sort of the a lot of people class them as the arrogant Jedi, but they're living in fear because of the Clone Wars, because of the the unknown Sith Lord Darth Sidious that they don't know, really know who that is and stuff. So I think actually that's a really good point. I like that. Yeah, you know, I think Luke in Return of the Jedi. I just watched the movie in theaters for the first time phenomenal experience mm. but nevertheless my friends and i are currently um sort of celebrating return of the jedi um uh so this big initiative but something that i've been really thinking about is that luke in return of the jedi is to me the definition of a true jedi right he has both yoda and obi-wan telling him you have to kill vader like they are scared right there they are they are so attached to this idea that Luke has to defeat the dark side embodied in Vader, yet Luke throws that saber away and says, no, I am a Jedi like my father. You will not, I believe there is good in him. I am embracing that my father is this person, like is Darth Vader and is this terrible whatever. So to me, Luke is a very de definition of, of, you know, he goes against what Yoda and Obi-Wan are telling him to do, and they are, you know, in, in the Jedi in the more formal sense. So anyway. Mm. And they had, well, they had some great symbolism. I was kind of getting my words out then. That's some great symbolism going up to that as well, because obviously he's dressed all in black for, mm -hmm. for a lot of the film. And, you know, he realizes that obviously he's turning into Vader because he's got you know, the, the fake hand as well with the, with the yeah. glove on. 
But then at that moment when he throws his lightsaber over and goes, you know, I'm a Jedi like my father before me, I'm not going to turn. You know, we get that flap on his shirt that sort of opens up and, and it shows that it was white underneath yeah. to show that he's underneath, you know, he might have been slipping a little bit, but he realizes that he is going to stick with the light side. So mm-hmm. great piece of film just there that symbolizes, yeah, exactly what the Jedi should be. And that was before we even got so much of the backstory of, of what the Jedi really truly are. Yeah, yep. Oh, stellar movie. <laughs> anyway. So, yeah, let's move on to episode two then. Uh, Screech's Reach. Uh, this was done by Cartoon Saloon, which are an Irish animation company. Um, this was a great episode in terms of it was almost a little bit more sort of horror-based in a way um, that we don't really see a lot of in in, in Star Wars. Um, so we've got this girl that's working at this, like, sweatshop, and her and her friends decide that, you know, they're going to bust out for it for a bit of it. They're going to steal some speeders. They want to go see this ghost that's in this sort of like cave system. Um, and she's got this sort of necklace on and she's using this as her motivation because she wants a better life. You know, she's chatting to her friends and she's like, you know, they're, they're like, this isn't you know, the worst life. There are worse things that you could think. She's like, yeah, but it's better, better than just doing this and just toddling along on this little planet. I want something more. And so, you know, they go to this cave system, which I've since found out is supposed to be sort of similar to the cave system on Dagobah that Luke goes into in episode five. It was sort of based around that. Um, and goes in there and they find that they, there's this sort of screaming ghost witch in there that turns out to be um, an, an old Sith apprentice that's been trapped in there. Um, so she manages to use the force in the end to sort of bring a rock down on her and takes her own lightsaber and kills her with it. And then it turns out that what she's this necklace she's had around her neck is she's been communi- using it to communicate to this person that's been promising her a better life. They come down in their ship. But it turns out that this is a Sith. Now, I only found this out on the second watching of the episode as well. I thought it was the Jedi to start with, that you know, she struck down a Sith. And that then she's like, well, this was your test as a Jedi to, yeah. to be an apprentice. So to find out that she was actually a Sith that trapped her own apprentice in there, struck it down. And she's like, cool, you kill my old apprentice. You're going to be my new one now. And takes her away and she has to leave her friends behind. How do you feel about this episode? Oh, it was so good. <laughs> it was so good. And um, I wrote down in my viewing, legit scary and WTF. Because it was unexpected and actually terrifying. And yeah, so good. I could not I could not believe that um, the main character, Doll, like, actually killed... The, hmm. the Sith creature or the ghost, I guess you could say. Um, and it reminded me a lot because I remember really being surprised um, by the ending of Akakiri from the first volume. It's hmm. one of my favorite shorts in the in the volume. And the the ending just sort of being like, no way. And like just shook, shook to my core. <laughs> um, that's exactly how I felt this time around. Um, yeah, it was so good. Just surprising the the twist I, I really liked that and then of course like we as the viewer are unsettled by the ending because you can see that like doll is leaving anyway even though she feels guilty about leaving her friends but you also can't blame her because we've had this perspective of like their life is not good and so mm. she sees that chance for a better one she's gonna take it like we sympathize with her but then us knowing that she's walking away with a sith you're like terrified for her so yeah, yeah. I, uh, yeah, it's great. <laughs> that is one of the big things, isn't it? That once you realise that this is a Sith that's come to take her away, and you're like, no, don't fall into this trap. And she's like, I just want a better life. I don't want to work in a sweatshop. 
you know, and, and, and be stuck here for the rest of my life. And she's like, I'm going to get off planet. I'm going to be able to go and see things and do things. He's like, yeah, you're going to get to do some bloody things, but they're not necessarily going to be good. <laughs> so, I mean, what would you, if you were given that knowledge, if you were stuck on this planet, you don't really, you're not having a, the best life. You know that there's definitely better out there. But let's say you had the full information of you could mm. be taken away by a Sith and be trained to be their apprentice and potentially have a better life. But you know that there's going to be that, thing hanging over you the entire time which way would you go on that because that's like a sophie's choice kind of thing isn't it yeah. it's sort of like do i stay here and have a boring life and that's probably gonna be uneventful but it's i'm never gonna get to experience anything more or do you go with the evil person potentially have to become evil but you know it's gonna be way better than what you're doing now do you know if if i knew that the test that i was going to be given in order to get this better life was to kill someone i couldn't do it <laughs> I, that's what startled me so much about Doll's decision is like, she's this kid and she even sees after the, the cavern, like mm. ceiling breaks that this isn't a ghost. This is a, this is a person. So I couldn't do it for that reason. I don't think I would have it in me. Um, even if this ghost is terrifying and, and wielding a red lightsaber, I, I don't know. I couldn't do that. <laughs> Do you think uh, if you had to choose between being a Jedi or a Sith, you'd pick Jedi then? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I would be a Jedi. I think I'd, uh, I think I'd be corrupted quite easily. <laughs> I think I, I think I'd fall to the dark side so quickly. I mean, I'm wearing a Sith hat. I've got a Sith tattoo of the Sith Empire on my wrist. I'd be gone so quickly. It's unreal. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's that's the thing, right? Is like the Sith offer temptations. And yeah, I like to think I'd be a, like a good Jedi and full of light and whatnot. But yeah, he, I'm sure I'd be swayed very easily as well. <laughs> <laughs> so let's move on to episode three, which I know is one of your favorites. Uh, so this is In the Stars. Um, this was done by Punk Robot, which are uh, a, a Chilean company. So we've got two sisters who are the last of their kind um, on, on a planet. Um, their mother led what turned out to be sort of an unsuccessful rebellion against the Empire and was unfortunately killed. She was Force-sensitive as well. And the Empire sort of ended up poisoning their world with the water and sort of light pollution. Um, and so the older sister goes into the, the big factory to try and steal some clean water. The younger sister has sort of been caught because she was thinking, I can take these guys on, I can beat them. Um, so we get this whole bit of them sort of the older sister rescuing her and them trying to escape, sort of being caught again in this epic moment where the younger sister is about to get thrown off this ledge and the older sister has come charging in and the younger sister sort of is let go over the ledge. She goes barreling in there. You think that you, know, you see the, sort of the hands reaching out and grasping and it sort of goes past her and you think, nope, she's going to be gone. And then all of a sudden the older sister, boom, she's got the force. She's inherited that from her mother. She ends up to save her. Then they use the force together to break down the big water containers and, and flood the place and basically you know, wipe the empire out on their planet. And then they get the nice little bit at the end where um, you know, the, the, the water's back everywhere. The, the light pollution goes. They can see all the rest of their sort of kind and their mum of stars in the sky. And it's quite a beautiful ending to what was, for a short, you know, animated film, so to speak, or, you know, it's only, what, 20 minutes long or 24 minutes long. It's a lot of emotion to pack into something that was that was that short. Yeah, I know this is one of your favourites. So I'll let you tell us all about it. 
Yeah. It is one of my favorites. I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head. Like, they, the story is so emotional. And, I mean, for me, it resonated with all of the people in my life that are no longer here, but that I want to carry with me wherever yeah. I go. And the, le- the lessons they taught me and their spirit and their, the, you know, the things that they believed about the world. Um, so, yeah, it just really hit home. And... I've always just, like, I've loved that idea in Star Wars about, um, you know, that when people are no longer here, they're they're still around through the Force. Um, and in this case, um, represented by stars and those handprints on the rock. Ugh. Um, I mean, yeah, one of my favorite quotes from the entire, um, you know, like all of Star Wars is, Luke's quote um, that no one has ever really gone because mm. I do believe that. And it's so, it was just beautiful. And I think like in terms of the animation, I think, I believe this one was one of the, this was one of the shorts that was done with stop motion, which is incredible. Yeah. It was insane. And the lighting and the like dark, like sad tones. And then of course, like you're bringing in the, the liter- the literal light um, you know, with like the, the sky opening up and everything. Yeah. So overall it was, it was just beautiful. And to have that history behind it as well, you touched on that earlier, the, how the, the story comes from real Chilean history that not many people know about. It's so important. And um, to have it be a special story and, you know, with the star Wars magic or whatnot is, is really just so fucking cool. Mm. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> Yeah, this is one of those studios that took this opportunity to run with it and not only produce a great little short Star Wars story, but put their heart and their soul and their story into it as well. So I think, you know, Punk Robot job well done on this one, wasn't it? (laughs) Yes. Yep. (laughs) So episode four then. Um, I Am Your Mother, and done by Ardman, uh, which are in an English company. Fame, most famous, probably the most famous one on this list, to be fair. Uh, they've done Chicken Run. Um, I don't know if you know Wallace and Gromit, something I grew up getting to watch yeah. when I was a kid. Um, I'm going to start this off quite controversially and say this was probably my least favourite episode in the entire series. Um simply because I don't know, it was a bit weird that I felt the story was kind of plain and boring, to be honest. Um, the story for this episode, uh, you've got Annie and her mum. Annie's just constantly, you know, like any young child, constantly embarrassed by their mum, to be fair. Um, and she doesn't tell her about this sort of family race um, that they've got going on. Um, and Annie's also being picked on by this sort of mean kid and her mum. You know, they're saying their ship's horrible um, and she's just rubbish and she's not going to win. Then her mum turns up with her lunch and she's like, and then she finds out about this family race. And so she decides to join her, much against sort of Annie's Annie's wishes. And she tells her during the race that she embarrasses her. And they manage to sort of get past this and quite predictably win this race. <laughs> and it's sort of like happy that they've sort of made this breakthrough at the end of it. Um, there were some cool little Easter eggs in this because this is the one where we got Dennis Lawson as, as Wedge Antilles. I also know that sort of Annie had some pictures in the background of, of Hera from Rebels and also of, um, I can't remember the name of the top of my head, but the, the band the that Star appeared Waver in one of band. That's yeah. it, yeah. Um, so some nice little tie ins there to, to both Star Wars in general and obviously um, the Volume 1. So not my personal favourite of the entire series, but how are you feeling about this one? I thought it was cute like it to your point it was fairly like simple and straightforward um 
I I think it 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 fit that need within the volume to be the one that had lots of Easter eggs and references and, you know, the familiar face of Dennis Lawson, for sure. I thought it was funny. And they were so brilliant to put this one one as number four immediately after the one that had me crying my eyes out because I was like, oh, I needed a refresher (laughs) of some laughter, which is so smart. Um, Yeah, I thought like, yeah, I find myself having watched it now a couple of times, you know, uh, along with like the rest of them, I really do love just like the detail in the environment in this one. And like the style of animation is super fun. Um, but yeah, the story, the story was fairly, sim- you know, simple, straightforward. I thought they did a good job having that little touching moment between Annie and her mom at the end. Um, but yeah, it was, you know, a lot of humor and a lot of uh, witty lines. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so let's move on then to episode five, uh, Journey to the Dark Head. Uh, this was done by Studio Mir, which are a South Korean um, animation studio. I found this one to either be one that everyone loved or they thought it was maybe a little bit overrated. Um, I personally thought on the first time of watching it, it was actually a really, really good episode because it seemed that it was something that could have a lot of backstory and a lot of lore to it. But also sort of on second viewing, it feels like you come in to like maybe the third act of a film or a TV series. And so there's a lot that's happened before it and you're sort of playing catch up with a few flashbacks. Yeah, but the basic story was that you had um, um, Ara who grew up at sort of a hidden Jedi temple. Um, and once she becomes adult, uh, there's like you know, the ongoing galactic war between the Jedi and the Sith. And she wants to destroy the Darkhead Monument, um, which is at the top of these two monuments at the the Hidden Jedi Temple. She believes that cutting off the, the Darkhead will turn the tide in the war. So she's assigned a young Padawan who's quite conflicted um, due to the fact that he recently lost his master to, to a Sith. So they go on this journey up there, and on the way there as well, they're sort of that typical thing of bickering back and forth a little bit. They're... Um, but the Sith senses, obviously, the young Padawan sort of you know, on their journey there. And just as they're getting there, you know, he catches up with them. Um, they have sort of, I guess you could describe a bit of an epic battle, um, whilst Ara's trying to figure out what's going on. Um, and sort of the, the little story behind her as well is that they need to have that balance of light and dark because it becomes evident that she can't destroy the the big head of the Sith on there because it sort of it conducts both the, the light and the dark. Both heads do. Um, and so during that that's going on as well the the young Padawan manages to overcome his fear um, and manages to kill the Sith as well and so the two of them together have managed to to come to what was a really good outcome for, for the two of them and they decide to keep journeying on together so a lot of story for this one to be fair and in terms of they could probably go back and <laughs> and make prequels to this one because there's so much story behind it. What were your thoughts on this episode? Agreed. They really could do so much with it. I I liked it because of all the lore and the detail, and it reminded me a lot of the Ninth Jedi from the first volume, and mm. just that like the world itself seems so expansive, and I immediately wanted a sequel. <laughs> and um yeah, it was good. Um, I liked the dynamic of the two main characters mm-hmm. as well. That felt so familiar, just like a classic Star Wars, like butting heads a little bit. 
um but like then they're forced to work together so they have to get along like just enough <laughs> um yeah it's definitely like in terms of style um it's so it's a bit more similar to the first volume um like it is anime right it's just korean anime mm. so yeah um i liked it though and i'm excited to watch this one like again and again and like just continue to find newer details probably that i like missed upon my first viewing but since it was so jam-packed yeah definitely a roller coaster ride and lots of action in there yeah uh, i can see why it's been so divisive with between people going there's sure. you know it's it was a really good episode lots of action and yeah for the people that love yeah, the battles between Jedi and Sith, it's one of the best ones that Visions has offered. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like we just keep going back to it. It's one of those ones that it felt like you've got a chunk of story missing and you just get sort of, you know, a minute flashback of something just to clue you in so you sort of know where they're at right now. And I want to go back and I want to see a 50-minute version of this rather than mm-hmm. a 20-minute version so you can mm-hmm. fill in some of that backstory. Yeah. I mean, there seems to be a trending theme, to be fair, through Visions that the Sith that turn up, for the most part, are fairly easily defeated. Um especially since we get a flashback in this and the fact that this Sith seems to take on five, six Jedi and kill them all. And then he's faced with a young Padawan who manages to kill him. <laughs> so it's like, how did this guy defeat five fully fledged Jedi, but then he's done over by a Padawan? What goes on with these, these inquisitors? <laughs> <laughs> but he's worn out from the, from the first round. <laughs> yeah. He's just like, I can't deal with this anymore. Just kill yeah. me now. <laughs> Okay, so let's move on to episode six then. Again, another one which I think is probably one of your favourites, The Spy Dancer. So this was done by uh, Studio La Cachette, uh, which is a French studio. I think this is the easiest one to point out straight away when you knew where this one was coming from. Um, So this is the story of um, a high-class club that's sort of frequented by stormtroopers, imperial officers, um, and you've got this owner who puts on a grand show and she's sort of leader of the resistance um, or of a rebel cell in, at that sort of time. And they're putting trackers on stormtroopers to be able to see their movements and what they're doing and, and, and aid themselves. Um, but then sort of, you know, she sees someone come in and she has this flashback to her son being taken sort of 20 years before. And she thinks that this guy's come in and it's the same officer that took her son. So she sends everyone away and she's like, Forge's plan of basically like Assassin's Creed killing him in the neck with, with a gun out of her arm. <laughs> and so she I'm does. I'm so glad you made that reference because I remember <laughs> thinking that. <laughs> so she does a nice big twirly dance, goes around, comes out, and, it, and she stops because she realizes it's not the same person that, that took away her son. And she sort of takes this guy and the sort of a big battle ensues where she's trying to escape with him and they get to the roof and it's where it's sort of the big twist of the episode is revealed that this is actually her son that was taken 20 years before. He was obviously been taken by this Imperial guy. He was kept, he's been molded into an Imperial officer. Um, and she's just like, I'm not going to kill you. I want you to realize who, you know, stay true to who you are. You're not this Imperial guy. You're my son. And, you know, she escapes at the end by leaving a tracker with him. And then we see him. So, you know, he's got a patch that covers one of his eyes because, you know, their, their species have you know, different colored eyes. So he's sort of been hiding that. And the little detail as well that we see that, like, he sort of shaved his horns down at the top of his forehead, um, which is a, a very subtle thing as well. But it shows that this is what he did to try and fit. Or maybe it was done to him to make him fit in as an Imperial officer, as we know they don't really like aliens that much. So... I also got sort of Moulin Rouge vibes off of this. 
um, in terms of big elaborate dance set in a big sort of um, cabaret house. Yeah. And so it was really and great music as well in this episode. I, so I thought it was one of these, one of the ones that really stood out for, for this, for this volume. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. The story was just so interesting and different. I, I thought it was so cool. Like all of us are very familiar with the opera, like in, on Coruscant and in Revenge mm. of the Sith. And I mean, you know, it's the place of the iconic meme. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I, I thought this was just like a cool, like it's a cool setting. And yeah, the, the reveal of the officer being her son and, and having that like emotional moment, I just thought was so well done. And her, um, I think her name's Louis. Uh, Louis like just her kinship with her fellow dancers mm. and like even the mechanics in the sewers, like you can tell they all really care about each other. And it's so cool that that is conveyed so well because the short is so short, mm. but you still really get that sense of kinship because they don't want to leave her or they're, you know, they want to help her and stuff, like find her, her personal peace and, and justice, if you will. Um, yeah, it was, it was just really good. And like, in terms of the animation style, I just found it really beautiful. The colors were bright and it was just expressive and you sort of had to be because Louis' like dress was flying everywhere. <laughs> yeah, it was great. <laughs> I mean, that's what I was going to ask. Do you think the combination of the the sort of dancing that went on, the the music that accompanied it, and then the emotional storyline that was given to us makes this probably one of the, if not the most beautiful episode that we got in this volume? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, because when you combine the acting with the story with the animation with the music like all the elements together to make that story yeah um absolutely like mm. all of that you know contributes because it's you know it's different from well it's not different but like in live action when you have the setting to or you know the actor's movements to contribute to the story in this case it's like how do you convey how do you match, like we were saying earlier, how do you match the voice actor's tone with then the movement of the the character's like face, facial expressions or their body movements and everything? Yeah. To be, yeah, great episode. So then we move on to episode seven, uh, The Bandits of Golak. Uh, this was done by 88 Pictures, which was, which is, sorry, uh, an Indian animation company. This is probably a style that we are more familiar with because it was probably the closest thing that we get to say, um, like season seven of the Clone Wars and the Bad Batch, um, a very almost hyper-realistic animated style. Um, so in this one, you've got two siblings that are trying to flee and sort of seek refuge. Um, the younger sister is Ford-sensitive, but she doesn't really seem to, to hide it particularly well and uses it as and when she sort of sees fit. Um, and they make it to this sort of small oasis that's run by this... Um, sort of old lady, and um, it turns out that she's actually a survivor of Order 66 as well. Um, and then an Inquisitor arrives to um, to obviously claim the small girl because some, some people that they're on the train with sold them out. And you know, this is where we find out that the old lady is actually um, a Jedi, and she turns her walking stick into, into two dual-weaning sabers, which is a really cool move, to be fair. Um, and she has a quick battle with this Inquisitor and you know, sort of fairly easily dispatches of him again. Um, and then she reveals that, you know, she's got this sort of hidden path under the water. Um, but again, you know, she's 
this little girl's got to make this choice of of leaving her, her brother or as we've seen in previous episodes friends to go with them and and depart but the brother sort of knows this is the only way that she's going to stay safe and so she goes with them in the end and she finds out there's other force sensitives down there so she's not exactly going to be on her own um so how do you feel about this episode over, overall i really liked it i thought it was just such a celebration of indian culture but then so beautifully wrapped in like a classic star wars story um it was really good i i thought it was touching too like it had the uh, sort of like some of the other ones just a perfect blend of like there was multiple settings and scenes like we had a train chase and then a lightsaber <laughs> fight and then force moments but then also you know so like tons of action and and never really anything dull but then obviously there's these quiet moments of, of very sweet you know moments between the, the siblings and what was that line the bandits have to split up now or some something <laughs> cute about their, their little thing about being bandits yeah overall i really liked it i think it was a great animation style and they did make it look absolutely stunning with yeah. so much influence from indian culture in there um in terms of just how they looked sort of the headdresses the jewelry everything just sort of hit you straight away and goes yeah that you can associate that with india mm -hmm. and, and the surrounding areas and and even i think the name of one of the cities is it, i can't remember the exact name of it off the top of my head now i should have written this down in my notes to be fair uh, but even that comes from an indian culture where they have sort of like food trucks and food stops on yeah, the sides of the, the roads and stuff like that restaurants mm. yeah they're called dabas i think something like that yeah, yeah 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 it's so cool and then you get the star warsified version in, in the short <laughs> film yeah <laughs> Yeah. Well, this this does set up a trend for this entire particular volume that the younger sister is, is all the younger sisters in this volume are a little bit annoying and don't really like to do what they're told do they um if anything it kind of probably you is true to what younger sisters and what younger siblings in general are like in real life they don't really like to do what they're told they think they can do a bit more than they really can and they want to get involved and in the end you like the older sibling kind of has to humor them and help them out along the way yeah. so to me this was in line with the rest of the volume did you are you feeling that as well from from your laughter yeah i'm laughing too because in on one of the other shows i was on recently um we talked about how one of the themes in the volume is there's a lot of kidnapping so i was just like laughing because there's a list here we can make um we got some sith we've got kidnapping and we've got small children not doing what they're told or not listening <laughs> or going off and doing you know mischievous things so yeah fully agree <laughs> <laughs> do you think the kidnapping is maybe a bit hard because i'm trying to recall but in each time that they sort of do this in this volume they do kind of give them a choice don't they they say you yeah, can come with I, me I, you don't you don't need to like you're not being told i think there's only one where they're really told and you're like you're coming with me sort of thing yeah, the rest are given not, a bit of a choice wrong. you're definitely <laughs> not wrong especially with the bandits of golok like the the, the woman gave um gave the girl a choice for sure <laughs> maybe we exaggerated a little bit but it was definitely the realization that there were multiple shorts having like the small yeah. child force <laughs> yeah. user goes go the off with somebody <laughs> like the host i was with were like mm, um what's going on why is this happening so many times <laughs> and to be fair we've not even got to the end of that happening in this volume no. yet either so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly 
So um, let's move on to episode eight then, uh, The Pit. Um, I, this was done by um, the art um, Chattagio, which and Lucasfilm combined. So um, that's um, an American-owned Japanese company, and obviously Lucasfilm being an American company. So this was the one that we sort of said was giving off Andor vibes. Um, so you've got a group of people that are sort of enslaved by the Empire. They sort of dig this massive pit. Um, and they're forced to sort of mine kyber crystals. Um, and then once the mine goes dry, the um, stormtroopers, and this is the one where Steve Blum and Matthew Wood voiced stormtroopers in this episode as well. Um, and they're just basically left, they're abandoned and left to die in this pit. So this one guy sort of takes on himself and he's like, I can get out of this. I'm going to go to the city that's rumored to be nearby and I'm going to get help. And he gives his daughter a sort of kyber crystal and he's like, you know, always look to this and follow the light if you ever need direction. Um, he manages to to escape. Uh, the pit goes to a nearby city, tries to warn everyone. They're not really listening. So he jumps up and gives sort of a public speech and everyone starts questioning it. And then he's sort of in the real sort of twist of this episode. He's caught by the stormtroopers. He's taken back to this pit, which is hundreds of feet deep. And then he's thrown back into it brutally and, and obviously yeah, he doesn't make it. Um, everyone else sort of sees this and, and the young daughter obviously sees that her father's been killed and she's like, you know, follow the light. Let's, let's, let's do this because this is what's going to help us get out of there. So they start this chant of follow the light and the nearby people in the city hear this and they come to investigate what's going on. And all strong troops like, nope, get lost. There's nothing for you to see here. Um, move along and the crowd sort of overthrow them they sort of see what's going on and then they manage to rescue them um, and at the end when they're sort of flying away we see the daughter with the kyber crystal and sort of shakes a bit as if it's resonating with her and it turns out that she's maybe got some force abilities because that kyber crystal then turns into a majestic blue and she's going to sort of like carry everything on from there so this really did have sort of like the Andor prison vibes going on of, you know, people enslaved to do the Empire's bidding. They're sort of rallying together and they're like, no way, uh, one way out, sort of, you know, they've got their own version of you know, yeah. going on there. So that really sort of hit hard this episode, I think. How are you feeling about this one? I agree. Um, I very much got Andor vibes. I found it genuinely difficult to watch. Like, I had this... I was going to add this pit in my stomach, um, but I truly did. It was just like horrific. And I couldn't believe that they actually killed the main character, but yet it also makes sense. Like it, that is the story that they're telling. They're telling this, you know, just this horrific things that the empire will do. And um, then you know, on the flip side, then the, the resistance of the people. Yeah, it was a, I cried during this one as well. <laughs> um, I thought it was really well done. And, and also I found myself really appreciating, cause I actually just watched it last night. Um, I didn't know this. There's an end credit scene. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Didn't know that. Just learned that. Had a good cry for a second time. Anyway, <laughs> I I really found myself after, you know, watching it a couple times, just finding this huge appreciation in the message behind, like, if you are loud enough and if you, if you are forceful enough with your voice, you can reach people that are otherwise 
like blissfully ignorant right because at the end of the day like those people in the city they just they were they didn't know and so Hmm. you had the people in the pit advocating for themselves and trying to bring awareness to the all the work that they did to mine those kyber crystals and build that city and i found it just really cool how um the people came together and then you know we're gonna we're gonna help but at the end of the day like um the people in the pit are the ones that that saved themselves by using their voice so yeah i was a huge fan yeah and it has as you said, the underlying theme to it is that it's a really good message that a lot of people can relate to, especially at this moment in time with everything that's going on in various countries around the world. So it's something that's really going to hit home, I think, for a lot of people. I think what we've possibly already mentioned, but what does make this episode so good is the fact that they maybe did kill the main sort of guy or what seemed to be the main character. Um, I've made it clear many times, I'm not always a, a huge fan of this trope of everyone gets a happy ending. Um, I don't necessarily like it when everyone seems to make it through three films of huge wars and huge fighting events and they all seem to get through it without sort of being killed or no one significant gets killed. Um, so the fact that, to me, because it, it's about hitting hard and, and sort of showing that sometimes not everyone's going to make it through, but together, you know, you can make that difference. So yeah. to me, I, it was such a hard-hitting episode that... Yeah. I've played with it so much of where it ranks in my in my impersonal ranking that I keep going up and down because I'm like <laughs> I want to put the stories of Jedi and yes. Sith in there because that's kind of more Star Wars ish and, yeah. and this because that has I mean I think everyone was so surprised with how hard Andor hit in terms of how mm. good it was so you then play with it going okay where is it oh do I put the Sith ones above it no, I'm not really sure yeah. so yeah. I think yeah. if 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 it's one that people haven't seen yet or don't really or haven't thought about too much the the deeper meaning behind it it's something you need to rewatch and think about that it's it's easy doing it absolutely you bring a great point up too of like that having um the main character's death like in there as something that hits hard reality is as you mentioned oppressors in countries around the world are not above doing that to people in real life so to feel that gut punch of like oh my god i can't believe they just did that it's horrifying but it is the world that we live in and so how it's so important to have that story to remind people of the world that we live in and then subsequently remind them of the power that they have to create change by talking to your politicians and going Mm. and joining communities and all these things like there are so many ways that we can help um you know, people in the world and, and use our own voices and in, in, in a, as a force for good, no pun intended. So yes, I fully agree with you um, on that front. And I really hope people do take that message on that, that, you know, whatever your situation, as long as it's something that you're doing for the, for the good reasons and the right reasons, you know, mm-hmm. get together with those that you love and, and make that difference. So yeah. I'm glad that this was, it was an episode that really shows that. Yeah. And then flipping right on to a completely different um, sort of energy of episode, going from something like that to something that was a lot sort of different. We've got episode nine, which is um, Aru's song, which was done by Triggerfish, which is a South African um, company. They do have a, I believe they have an office in Ireland as well. So there's all work out of both places. But this certainly definitely did have a lot of African vibes to it and African influences. 
Um, so this was a story sort of based after the extinction of the Sith, um, where the Sith had managed to infect um, kyber crystals and people were mining the crystals and um, alongside the Jedi helping to purify them. Um, and Owl seems to have an unusual effect on the crystal when she sings. Um, and the crystals themselves seem to resonate with her and how they some sort of have a, seem to have a special relationship in the way that they influence each other. So her father's telling her to stay away from it because he gets sort of burnt on his hand when she gives a little bit of a sing. And But she's constantly drawn towards them. So she finds this big cave with loads of them there and she starts to, to sing and the crystals are reacting to her and her father interrupts her. And the crystals themselves seem to react badly to this. They're sort of like screeching and, no, don't like this. And he whisks her out of there. And then it seems like the mountain with her in sort of in the cave is starting to collapse. The Jedi that's that's been there helping them, she jumps in. She manages to save them from falling to their deaths. And it seems like, you know, this whole mountain is going to collapse and maybe kill all of them. And then Aru's like, I know what I need to do. Just trust me with this. And she's pretty much not spoken the entire episode. We just heard her sing a little bit. And then she sits there and she you know, starts singing as loud as she can to these crystals. And she has a massive reaction and she ends up purifying these crystals and basically bleeding the 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 hate and the anger and everything out of them that made them um, sort of bleed in the first place and turns them back to pure kybers. Um, and, it, and after that, she's a little chatterbox and she starts talking a bit more and she's given that option once more to, to leave with the Jedi. <laughs> Um, and even the dad's like yeah, none of our people have ever left this planet before and you're taking my daughter what the hell are you doing and then she's like well it's, it's your daughter's choice but you know she's got you know you've got that talent and it's up to you how you decide to use it you know you don't decide whether you get to have that talent or not but how you get to use it is what you do get to decide and she decides to go with her so once more child abduction in the Star Wars universe occurs and we have a beautiful end, I think, to this particular volume. For me, this was, upon viewing a couple of times, has become one of my favourites. The, again, sort of stop animation style of like almost plushy type bears that they've used and animated. Um, I found it so cute and, and, and their little world was beautiful as well. But just to sort of... I don't know, there was something about this episode that I just really liked. After maybe it was coming off the back of a darker episode and the fact that this one just felt really good. And what's interesting as well is that this volume, whilst it's been mostly mostly darker stories and more Sith-based, ends on a, on a light, nice Jedi-type note. Whereas volume one did the reverse. It ended on a story of where someone um, who was having visions that they were going to kill somebody in the future ends up killing the person that they were friends with and giving themselves to their Sith master. So volume one, the focus mostly on Jedi stories ended in a Sith way. And the volume two, that's been mostly Sith stories ends in a, in a nice Jedi happy way. I love that. I never thought about that. I never noticed that. That's great. <laughs> but what was your impressions of this particular episode? I agree with you. It was amazing. <laughs> um, I want a little plush of the Star Wars bears. Um, get on that. Luke's home <laughs> and Hasbro and merchandise uh, people. Um, no. I'm sure I, they're it, listening. <laughs> it truly was so... It, it, was, it was a beautiful ending. It was, was sweet. It was lighthearted. Um, in that, like, I was just so cute and 
like hearing her little singing was like just cool like that that was the the vehicle for purifying the crystals um i that's a theme that has been throughout this volume is this idea of using your voice to speak up for yourself mm. to fight for yourself and and use your voice to fight for the things you believe in and the people that you love and in this case she's quite literally using her for her voice for uh, uh, for for good as a, as a as light right to purify the crystals mm. so i really i really loved it um and to your point about the stop the stop motion animation um it is amazing what they are able to do with this animation because to your point ao doesn't speak like the entire episode mm. You hear little little grunts and moments from her when she starts to speak, but then remembers, "Oh, I can't use my voice because I'm gonna cause things to explode." <laughs> so it's amazing how they're able to capture her expression and her thoughts in subtle movements with her eyes, with her face, with having her like pull her little like cloth over her face. Um, yeah, remarkable. Just like visually very stunning, and the, the story was sweet. And yeah, I'll be waiting for my um my plushies. Okay. <laughs> I'll put that on your Christmas card list. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Make sure we get you sent one. <laughs> I'll be at I'll be at the door. I'll be at Lucasfilm's door. Hey, hey, do you have merch yet for our song? Please. <laughs> I mean, there is a distinct lack of merch though, isn't there, for this series? Yes. Um there's I... no merch for volume 2. I'm so mad about it. <sighs> I mean, they might dish a little bit out in time, but just in general provisions, there isn't really that yeah. much. I mean, yep. there's been a few t-shirts banded around. I almost bought a, um, a Ronin t-shirt for oh, yeah. to wear at Star Wars Celebration, yep. but I didn't in the end. They've got like three Pop Funkos, which were the twins yes. from Series 1 and, and the Ronin as well. Yep. And then there is a, a Ronin sort of um, Art FX statue that's out there as well, which looks pretty fantastic, to be fair. But apart from that, there's other, like nothing. The really one other thing I have is I have some pins featuring characters from Tatooine Rhapsody from Volume One. Um, so the the, the Star Waver band members and Boba Fett's in there too, I think. But yeah, literally that's it. To your point, that's that's it. <laughs> it's quite shocking. Really, I mean, it's been a couple of weeks now, so they should be getting on getting some stuff out there. TikTok. <laughs> I think, yeah, we need to get the plushie of Aru, though, and yeah. start rioting if that doesn't happen. So, <laughs> yeah. so volume two overall, then, um, what do you rate it out of 10? What do you prefer, volume one or volume two? Um, 10,000 out of 10. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, 10 yeah. out of 10, 100%. I truly believe that Visions is one of the best things Star Wars has ever done in the stars is one of the best sto stories Star Wars has ever told. Um, and I, I mean, yeah. Look, okay, so to contradict my own point from earlier, <laughs> I was all like, oh, you have this long-form way of telling really deep, beautiful stories in long-form television. Here's amazing storytelling being told in less than 20 minutes across mm. the board for not only Volume 1, but also for Volume 2. Um, yeah, holy shit. Like... <laughs> visions is just amazing it's so so good and it's being able to tell all these stories from all these different pe types of people is such a gift for not only the people telling those stories but all the people that get to see their culture and their histories and their countries represented in these stories um, mm. 
uh, yeah, I, I loved it. So, and, and particularly for that reason, I do like volume two better than volume one, but I love it, like all of it as a whole um, so much. Nice. So we're now going to do our top three episodes of Visions overall. So this is for volumes one and two combined. Hit me then. What have you got at number three on your list? The Village Bride from volume one. Nice. Yes. What What is about that episode that puts it in there at number three for you? Um, I, I think I really love that it, much like Rebels, um, I, I found a lot of like Rebels vibes in The Village Bride, but much like Rebels, it is a story about um, the ways that average people are impacted by the Empire. And in this case, it was a beautiful story about the sacrifices that uh, people were going to do mm. for, for their planet um, and for the people that they love. And then, of course, having, you know, this Jedi come in and and show what it means to like have faith and and be a hero i just loved it a lot um and sort of the i think the the animation was beautiful obviously but then like the just sort of themes and the the lore written into the short film i really loved as well so yeah nice i've got as my number three uh, the pit um i went back and forth with this one and, and something yeah. else but I think for the obviously the reasons we just discussed that the themes behind it, the the hard hittingness of this episode, yeah. really puts it up there for me in terms of of what makes this particular one so good and deserves my my sort of top three spot. But we've talked a lot about that episode, so I'm not going to yeah. go yeah. over that again. Go uh, on, then. What have you got at number two? I had the pit. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I actually went with um, the Elder from uh, Volume One. Yes. <laughs> yep. So the the vibes I got from this particular episode, just to remind everyone, it was about sort of a master apprentice that are out in the outer rim. Um, they sense the stamps in the Force. They go to this planet, and there turns out they think the Sith have been extinct for hundreds of years. They find sort of a, an old Sith ship there, and they think, oh, okay, maybe there's a guy here. The, they sort of split up and the apprentice goes off one way, the master goes the other, and the apprentice is sort of comes face to face with this really old dude who turns out to be a Sith. He's got sort of dual red lightsabers. Um, and they sort of have a battle, and it looks like he sort of killed him, and the, then the master comes in and they have a battle, and he does something to be fair to kill this the sith dude which is technically frowned upon by the jedi and the sith in terms of the the law behind it this thing that where you turn your lightsaber off to get past them and then ignite it again sort of like in their chests oh, yeah. Yeah. the jedi see that it is like a dishonorable move they don't think it's a very honest thing to do so they they technically sort of forbid it and the sith just don't do it at all because they believe there's no honor in fighting that way if you're going to beat someone you beat them on your on your skill and and your mastery of the of the dark side you don't do this sort of cheating method so technically that was a non-star wars way to do it um but they sort of you know the, the master says if this guy was you know in his prime the outcome would have been very different maybe for the both of them but the vibes i got from this were sort of if Qui-Gon had lived and grown up with Anakin as his apprentice, this was the vibes I got from the two of them. It was like a young mm -hmm. episode two Anakin Skywalker. He's like hungry to fight. He wants to use his lightsaber all the time. He wants to go out there. And you've got the older, wiser Qui-Gon. 
who's sort of trying to rein him back in and be like, no, you need to listen to me, young man. This is not the way it's going to go that you think. Yeah. And, um, and this is the one that's voiced by, um, uh, by David Harbour as well on the English dub. Um, right. he, he does the older one and also yeah. uh james hong does the the old sith guy as well um yep. oh, so cool. again for me i think it was just the the vibes i got from this story really mm. sat up there for me yep. so come on then hit us what is number one your favorite visions episode out of the entire lot <laughs> to no one's surprise it is in the stars <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think um, I, I saw on your Instagram you had that listed as, as your favourite as well. And yeah. while you said you might revise your listing, I think it's safe to say that this was pretty much going to stay at the top for you out of all, yes. all of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> everything else might change, but this one will remain at the top. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, number one for me was the one that kicked off all of Visions, um, The Jewel. So this is the one that was maybe yes. slightly the most removed in terms of everything else sort of maybe you see a lot of stormtroopers it's maybe set in the star wars universe somewhere or see that but this one was a lot more heavily obviously japanese influenced um and even the styles that you see of their outfits you see the droid with this sort of like bamboo covering almost um the stormtroopers even even obviously look more of the the japanese style statues that i that i've seen out there um but i just think this was a, a very cool story overall in terms of you've got this Ronin guy who's just sort of wandering, seems to be taking down Sith from place to place because he's got this sort of plethora of red kyber crystals in his in his cloak. And you've got this woman who's voiced by Lucy Liu, um, who like, maybe a slightly ridiculous umbrella lightsaber. <laughs> you look at that, and I think the first impression is, wow, that's cool. And then when maybe you've watched it again and go, okay, it's like it's like you know, the, the Inquisitors and Rebels with these. I was going to their... say, she won up to them. She's like, I don't have time for a helicopter. We need an umbrella. <laughs> well, I wonder if that's where they got their influence going. Well, in, yeah. in Rebels, the Inquisitors fly yeah. using their light, spinning lightsabers. Why can't I make this yeah. woman fly? Um, but just the fact that, you know, it's revealed that he's got a red lightsaber and it's. Mm. Technically, not necessarily revealed whether he is a Jedi or a Sith. He's just yeah. a Force user, and he's got a red lightsaber, and he's going around taking out Sith. Um, yeah. To me, that was quite cool, and it's even spawned a novel and a comic after it as well. So there's a novel that they did that basically the first couple of chapters are this episode, and then it picks up right after that and, and tells a bit more of a story of, of what he's doing, what he's going about, and stuff like that. And they've even, like, um, I think last year they released a, a comic based around this character as well. So it's not done on, obviously, the same moment, but influenced around, obviously, the Japanese themes and then his story. So to me, it was just a very... I've probably picked style over substance as my number one here, to be fair, because I just love the animation style of this episode. I love um, the the way that this just episode goes in general. I mean... Yeah. Do you remember much about this episode? Oh my god, I loved this episode. No, you are literally making me question <laughs> everything about my list. The thing is, I have long held the belief, because people have asked me before, like, what is your favorite Star Wars animated show? And I am annoying, and I say to them, I can't pick a favorite. <laughs> but I, I, it's like asking... It's like asking a parent to pick their favorite kid, which they're never going to do if they're a good parent. No, um, they have one. They always secretly have one. Well, yeah, maybe secretly. <laughs> but nevertheless, in, you know, for, for the sake of my argument, the point is, I, it, they're all so different. I truly find it so hard to pick a favorite because to your point, like if, 
if you wanted to solely talk like animation styles, my list would be different. But then I'm like, shit, I am like trying to incorporate <laughs> the animation along with the story and everything else. So I know in the stars is number one, in the pit is probably number two, but my number three could literally be anything, depending on my mood. It could be the duel because I loved that one. It mm. could be um Lop and Ocho because I loved that one as like something different. Akakiri, TOB one. Literally I watch, I end up listing all of them, but you get the point. It's yeah. so difficult to pick. Um out song even. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I loved them all and I do remember the duel. Let's get back on track and answer your question. Mm. Um, I do remember the duel and I remember sort of like the opening to volume two. I remember being like, oh, this is so cool as an opening. We're getting the Sith character that you don't even realize he's a Sith because he, you know, and you have the reveal moment and the, um, they're like fight is badass. Anyway. Yes. So what's your favorite Star Wars animation? No, I'm not joking. I'm <laughs> no, 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 I mean, it's a good question. It's just very <laughs> difficult for me to answer. <laughs> I, I think this is quite an easy one for me to answer, which is yeah. Clone Wars. Um, yeah. Took me a long time to get into Clone Wars, to be fair, after mm. it came out. Um, mm. Simply because I've never been someone that's really watched animation that much. Mm. And watching yeah. Clone uh, Star Wars animations got me into watching other things. So it's it opened a doorway for me to be able to then yeah. sort of take that style of, of TV show and, and be able to then watch it in other formats and, and, mm. and other shows, which is really, I'm not too hot on the anime side of things, to be fair. I've never been too heavily introduced onto that side of it. Mm. But yeah. the way that sort of, for me, the Clone Wars story went, and if anyone ever tells me that Clone Wars is for kids... I'm going to dispute that yeah. till till I die because it is not. That has some dark stuff in it. It's got lots of death in it. Maybe it's good yeah. for teaching kids about these things at a young age, to be fair. But anyone that ever yeah. goes, this was, I mean, it's when people say Star Wars is primarily for kids. I mean, maybe George Lucas said that about the original trilogy in like the late 80s or from some like mm -hmm. old thing he did. But you can't really say that nowadays Star Wars is, is it's not just for kids anyway. It's not written. Yeah precisely for kids you can't tell me that something like andor was written with kids in mind because it's such a complex right. think yeah. think you know, you've got to think about this storyline even if you know where that storyline ends up going and where he ends up mm. you know this stuff is not for kids anymore it's it's got to apply this yeah. is why i think they've got so many projects going on because you've got to appeal to both to both areas now haven't you Absolutely. in terms of you've got yeah. things like um what was that one that came out on May the fourth as well? Um, with the with the, the Young Jedi Adventures. The That's the one. Show. <laughs> 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 I did watch it and it was great. <laughs> so you got yeah. yeah, you've got the mix of styles there, and it, they even yeah. do stuff on their um on, on like the Star Wars for Kids YouTube channels. Yeah. So there was the great animation was the Galaxy of Adventures, which to be fair were great short animations yes. about Star Wars in general, which were mm. absolutely amazing. These were some of the best like animated yeah, things they put out, and people <laughs> still don't realize it. They like, I see it pop up on TikTok every now and again, and someone's like, "How did I not know about this?" I'm like, "Because it's on the Star Wars for Kids YouTube page." Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Overall, You're though, absolutely yeah. right. I think the people that write off Star Wars animation as either childish or, or whatnot, even within Star Wars animation, there was such a, a like breath of yes, you have the preschool show and like the little shorts for the you know young kids, but then yeah, you have the darker episodes of Clone Wars and 
bad batch <laughs> and um visions you know that can really appeal to all audiences which is why i love it but yeah i guess why well, I, I always flip-flop in terms of my favorite animation or my favorite show i usually am flip-flopping between clone wars and rebels um but visions is up there 110 percent. yeah nice so we've got a few star wars projects obviously coming up in the near future or even obviously you know I say the near future, say the next four or five years, because some of the films, there's not been any announcements of when they're coming about, but coming up soon. So we've got a lot of things coming with, say, Ahsoka. Uh, we've got Skeleton Crew. We've got Sith Acolyte series. And then the, the sort of the three big films where you've got, like, you know, the, the Jedi at the Dawn of Time. Um, Dave Filoni's sort of been dubbed the heir to the Empire film that's going to wrap up the Mandoverse. And then, you know, Ray returning to do a film sort of set 15 years after Rise of Skywalker of the, of the new Jedi Order. So out of all these sort of big projects, what is the thing you're most looking forward to? The Acolyte. Yep. I am so stoked to see the High Republic in live action because it's really primarily existed only in literary form mm. and through the comics. Um and uh, of course, now there's like the preschool show, which was very cute. Um, <laughs> I'm like, oh my god, it's the High Republic Jedi robes on these like tiny children. Um, but you know, uh, I already love like the sound of the acolyte. The premise is interesting. Um, some of the photos we've seen and the behind the scenes stuff seems really, really exciting. So yeah, I'm I'm stoked for that because I think sort of like Andor, I think it it's going to feel very unique and just different um and i am uh i am a huge fan of ray and uh the the newer movies so i'm very excited for daisy ridley to come back in the new jedi order film as well yeah i think that's going to be a really good good film to be fair i wasn't ever sure she would come back to do anything because i'm pretty sure after the trilogy she was like i'm kind of done with this yeah a few of them have said that to be fair like um John Boyega, who obviously plays mm-hmm. Finn, had said a similar thing, but we're obviously, fingers crossed, we're going to get to see him because they left him on a big cliffhanger about having yes. Jedi powers, and yep. we sort of really hope to get to see him. I'm most interested about this film for the first ever Jedi, set 25,000 years in the past before the Skywalker saga, yep. simply because I love law building of stuff. You know, the more law there is to something, and the more history you can put behind it, the more involved I feel in it, and the more I want to learn about it. So I'm really interested to see this scene, the first person that sort of learns to use the force and become a Jedi, so to speak, you know, there's obviously a lot of legend stuff out there. And there is a a lot of lore about the start of the Jedi and the Sith from, from back in the day. But I think obviously they're going to basically wipe the slate clean from that and obviously do their own thing. But to me, that's a really exciting project. And that's probably the thing I'm looking forward to most. Although I'm pretty stoked for obviously Dave Filoni's film as well. I've become a bit, maybe too invested in my love for the Mandalorian. <laughs> yes. Yes, um, Mando. I think you can see behind me, I've got like you know, Mando, Bo-Katan and Grogu just chilling out back he there. He's got the whole <laughs> squad, yeah. <laughs> I mean, there, there is a Vader as well, to be fair. Oh, no. <laughs> but I don't think there's much chance he's going to show up, is there? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I'm really excited for the future of Star Wars. I mean, people... I think I've mentioned this before, probably, but I'm going to always say it again. People can criticize Disney as much as they want, but they've given us so much more Star Wars than we would ever gotten otherwise. Um, And I'm always going to be the first one to the cinema to watch a new film. I'm always going to be there to watch 
the series as soon as they bloody well drop. Yep. Agreed. <laughs> uh, uh, and that's <laughs> it, to be fair. Um, Michelle, thank you so, so much uh, for coming on this week and doing your Hi. millionth um, review of, of Visions for us. Um, tell everyone at home exactly where we can find you, what's going on, if you've got anything coming up with your new podcast. Yes. Um, uh, you can find me on Instagram at Ahsoka Xtano and my podcast at Fulcrum's Broadcast. Um, I'm working on getting the show on a multitude of platforms, um, but right now looking at like a monthly podcast, um, you know, just to make it make it something that I am excited and able to do um, on in, in, in a way that makes it really good quality. Um, but yeah, I, I'm sort of figuring out uh, the, you know, programming for it all. Um, but I certainly do feel like I would like to have guests. So Andy, I would love to have you on the show at some point when I um, sort of get my <laughs> chickens in a row or whatnot, my ducks in a row, whatever. <laughs> I would be more yeah. than honored to, uh, to add a British tone to, uh, to, to your podcast at any time. Yeah. Uh, are you much of a gamer at all? Um, yeah, a little bit. Uh, I'm not very good. <laughs> but uh, I do enjoy playing, um, you know, I've played, let me think, Battlefront 2. Nice. Um, I've played Jedi uh, Fallen Order. And then currently, um, my PS5 is with a friend who's been playing Survivor. But next on my list is Survivor. Oh, and I do have the Lego game as well. <laughs> yeah, I've got the Lego game. I've got all of them, to be fair. Yeah, I'm a big Battlefront 2 fan myself. Um yeah, I've just completed Jedi Survivor not too long ago. And the only reason I mention it is because um, next week I'm doing my review of Jedi Survivor on the show. I've got two guests coming in for that. I did say on last week's episode that I was going to be doing that this week, but I really wanted to get you in for this episode and, and fit Visions in before that. Um, but next week, um, everyone can tune in because, yeah, we've got two guests coming in to chat about Jedi Survivor, about what the gameplay is like and obviously the story in general because these are all canon now and we've got to get our hats on to just about everything. <laughs> How do you feel about Cal Kestis as a character? Because obviously you've, if you've only played the first one, obviously I'm not going to spoil anything for you when you're out to the second game, but how were you feeling about him coming out of the first game? Oh, I loved it. What's really cool is, so I didn't actually play Fallen Order until like last, like last fall, like very recently, but Given his popularity, given the popularity of BD1, the story, I was pretty familiar with Cal as a character and, like, generally the, the overall plot. But when I played the game, I was still blown away. I was, like, shocked. I cried. Like, I had the full, like, classic experience of playing the game, even though I knew some of the, like, you know, spoilers or plot points. Um, that includes, you know, just, like, Cal's characterization and... Um, his story arc and everything so good it was yeah he's so cool and I'm very excited to see what they do with him in the next game um, when I eventually play it I'll have to tune in um, to your to your episode because I I love hearing like especially I think with the games I like hearing what other people think of it because with the games in particular it's a fully different experience for each person that plays it. Like I'm bad at video games. So like I'm <laughs> going to be out here playing the story mode or whatnot, but like for anyone that is really good at fighting like the enemies and stuff, like I just want to hear about that and I want to know mm. about it. So yeah, it'll be, it'll be fun. I think that's what's going to make it good for me next week is I've got one person coming in who's a gaming specialist and one person who's yeah. Star Wars based. So yeah. <laughs> one from each side and obviously yeah. throwing me in the middle. 
um, to um, to to mediate and, um, yeah. and and get down what's going on. So, yeah. uh, Michelle, again, thank you so much uh, for coming in. It has been amazing to have you on. I've really enjoyed our chat today. Um, for everyone listening at home, um, obviously. Michelle's uh, social media details will be linked in to the episode description. Go and give her a follow. Make sure you're following uh, Fulcrum's broadcast for all of her future episodes as well. Um, if you're liking the show, obviously drop us um, a, a like, preferably a nice review. Uh, follow us on social media as well. Uh, but until next time, I will catch you later.